Well, um, today, if you don't know already, <laughs> today's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, everybody. Um, can we just take a couple of minutes, and if I'd like to have maybe two people just stand up and just give a quick, um, just share with us a quick fond memory they have of their mother as they are growing up. All right. Well, um, last week, if you weren't here last week, last week I, I can't, I, well, I'll back up just a little bit. So last week we had my, my relatives in town, my cousin and um, her husband and their two children came to our house for the week. And we had a great time together. But as the week went on, um, my cousin's kids got sick. And so they were throwing up and it was just, it was, it was ugly at the house. I mean, just, they weren't feeling well. And then, um, well, then my cousin Amy got sick and then my wife Michelle got sick and then my cousin's husband got sick. And so basically it just one by one, it just starts, it's a domino effect. One person gets sick, it starts spreading. And, um, Saturday night I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I just ate a bunch of pizza, I think. And I'm, I'm like loving, I'm like, man, this is, it completely missed me. I'm okay. I'm fine. I've got nothing to worry about. And I'm like, well, at, you know, if it can just hold off until noon on Sunday, after that, I don't care if I get sick and I'm throwing up or whatever else, you know, as long as I can between, you know, six o'clock in the morning to noon on Sunday morning, if, if I can just make it okay. So I woke up on Sunday morning and my stomach was in complete knots and I am sick and I'm like, well, what are you going to do? I'm supposed to preach in a couple of hours. So, you know, I came to church and we're in the prayer meeting at about 730 with some of the other leaders and everyone's invited to come and we meet down in the nursery, but we're praying together. And my mom says, Johnny, what are you doing? You need to get out of here. You are so sick. You're going to get everybody else sick. You can't stick around. And so, um, she was right. And so, you didn't know this last week, but you actually were mothered by my mom last week. She was looking out for your good. She was looking after, you, you know, your well-being. So um, she's like, yeah, if, you know, half the church gets sick because of you, you couldn't go home. And so she was right. She was right. But uh, one of my fondest childhood memories growing up of my mom, and I've been asking different people this this week, their fondest childhood memories of their mom is I would come home from school and um, in the oven would be um, a hot, fresh apple pie, homemade. And my mom would make me this this beautiful, I mean, this the, the best apple pie you've ever eaten. My mom can make this incredible apple pie. So, you know, i come home from school and she'd, she'd have this apple pie in the oven and she'd take it out. And in the crust, she'd put, she'd take like a little toothpick and put little holes in the crust and put my initials on the crust of the pie. She says, Johnny, I made this pie just for you. And at that moment, I felt so special. It's like, man, I am like, I just felt so good. You know, just that feeling of like, man, she's, she worked, did all this work all day, you know, to make this pie because she knew I loved it and did it just for me. And so I was just thinking about that this week. And, you know, as I thought about that, it occurred to me that um, she might have said the same thing to my brother Josh and my dad as well, because he's the same name as me. The, the J-H on the pie might have not just been for me. And she might have just quickly turned around and said, hey, Josh, I made this one for you too. And, hey, you know, hey, honey, I made this for you. So, um, but, of course, with the pie with my initials on it and 
being told that this is my pie, guess what? I'm not going to share with anybody. This is my pie. It's got my name written on it, for goodness sakes. I want to eat this pie for myself. But, of course, my mom graciously and kindly instructs me to share and to um, make sure everyone else has enough pie for themselves. And I could not keep it to myself. So, Mom, thank you for um, teaching me how to share my fresh apple pie. So, thank you, Mom. All right, let's turn to Philippians 2. Let's turn to Philippians 2. We were taking a break out of our series in Ephesians. Um, I had a hard time with the passage we were at in Ephesians, connecting it to uh, motherhood in any way. So I had to take a deviation and jump into Philippians. Um, So... We're going to start in Philippians verse chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll go through verse 11. But before we do that, let's just um, pray and ask the Lord to be with us. So God, we thank you this morning for our moms. Thank you, Lord, for the, the blessing that we've received and the, the, the way in which you've cared for us because of our moms. And so, Lord, this morning we want to... Um, show our gratitude and appreciation and worship to you by, by digging into your word and understanding what you'd have to say to us. God, help us to worship you in the, in the hearing and the obedience to your word. Lord, I pray you would help me to concentrate, to be able to focus my attention upon what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Ephesians 2. In this passage we see the Apostle Paul beginning to encourage the church in Philippi according to a couple of things. And what he does is he gives the Lord Jesus Christ as an example to us. But then he says, look, I want us to live our lives in a certain way. There's a way in which I want you to order your lives and and prioritize the things in your life according to what we see in Christ Jesus. So he does, he offers us Christ Jesus as an example. He says, I want you to order your life according to what we see in Christ. But this morning, I also want to take a moment to just really consider how we have not only seen this in our lives and in Christ Jesus, but also add in the mix how we've seen and how we've been cared for by our moms. Because this incredible love and acceptance and sacrifice and care that we see in Christ Jesus is is really modeled for us in certain aspects by our our moms. I mean, this is a part where we see our moms doing things for us and caring for us and loving us in a small way, which we see in large part in Christ Jesus. But it can be for us a signpost to what Christ Jesus is actually like and who he is and what he's done. It's really it points to a greater reality. It points to the greater reality of who Christ Jesus is and what he's done. So let's read Philippians chapter 2. We'll read verses 1, 2, and 3. It says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant 
than yourselves. So he begins to talk about in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. I found this quote this week on humility. It says this, Humility is a virtue that all men preach, but none practice, and yet everybody is content to hear. The master thinks it good doctrine for his servants, the laity for the clergy, and the, cler- and the clergy for the laity. Isn't that right about humility? We always, we can, we can hear this and begin, yeah, in humility, I want to do these things. We think it's good for everybody else, but it, what it's talking about is applying to our lives. And it's what Paul's saying, though, is not just counting others more significant than yourselves, but it's the attitude in which we consider other people more important than ourselves. So it's an attitude in which we do this, that in, in humility, we consider others more important than ourselves. And so this morning I begin to think about moms and how being a mother can sometimes be a thankless job. Being a mother can sometimes be a thankless job. Being a mom can sometimes be a thankless job. Moms, right now you should look over at your husband or your kids and say, sometimes it's a thankless job. It's hard at times. One day a year we devote to you. We take you out for lunch, give you a couple of gifts, and by 7 o'clock tonight, everything goes back to normal again, right? And then the rest of the year is like everyone else's day. But the one day we celebrate Mother's Day. But really, we are grateful for the things that we see in our mom. I remember my own mom, when I was a freshman in college, I went to a small little university in Huntington, Indiana, which is out in the middle of nowhere, which is like surrounded by cornfields. And those are surrounded by more cornfields. And those cornfields are just more cornfields. So, I mean, in every direction, there's like a million miles of cornfields until you hit like, you know, Chesterton or something. Like that. I mean, it's just all cornfields in Indiana. And so that year I went away to college. And in this college, it was a, it was a small private university. And it was a very, very, it was a good university. But on the weekends, what would happen is because it's so small, because the town of Huntington is in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing going on, the place was just like just a tomb and it was completely empty. Everyone would go home. No one would stick around because there's nothing to do. And so I would call my mom and say, Mom, would you please come pick me up? I am like so bored and there's nothing to do. And I don't want to sit in my room by myself for the next two days while I wait for everyone to get home on Sunday night. And from our house to the college was about 130 miles. So you figure 260 miles round trip. And then you do that on a Friday afternoon and a Sunday afternoon. And you're looking at over 500 miles driven in just a small weekend. And so really my mom would, would come and pick me up on a regular basis and, and drive me back home again. I'd hang out and then do the whole thing over again on, on Sunday night to bring me back. And it was never once an attitude of like, hey, Johnny, I mean, I'm driving a really long way here. Why don't you just like show me some appreciation here? Why don't you like give me some flowers or a card or buy me some chocolates or, you know, all these things that in my, if I was doing these things, I'd be like, come on, give me a break here, you know, stay... That's fine if you stay there by yourself. But, but for my mom, it was different. And I'm sure if we went around the room, we'd see many other examples 
of moms who have sacrificed their time to drive, to, to, to talk, to whatever it is, to lay down their lives for us. And moms, you do this when you give up sleep, feed your kids first, then have no time to eat yourself. When you make sure everyone is bathed and dressed appropriately, and then you only give yourself 30 seconds to get ready before you charge out the door to the next event. You don't complain about lack of sleep or food or hygiene in your own life because you're so busy taking care of everybody else. But as we look at the Word of God and as we see this in your life, and when you're counting others as more important than yourself, you are obeying the Word of God. And you are setting an example for your kids for what it means to follow Christ. It is an example to your children of what it means to follow Christ when you do those things. Let's look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When you became a mom, your life does not belong to yourself anymore, does it? Your life does not belong to yourself. You've given that up. You give away your, your, your day and your life every single day for your kids. And I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and he was remembering. I was asking, what's, one, what's a fond memory of your mom? And he began to relate to me. His mom was, was very, this was a few years ago, and his mom was very sick at the time. She, she, she might have had cancer, and she was, she was very weak, and it was hard for her to get around. And so he would go and visit his mom and, and, and just spend time with her. And while he was there, his, his younger brother still lived at home. And so he would go visit his mom, and then you know, towards the end of the, the day, he'd say, you know what, me and my brother would, would begin to hang out and talk. And you know, we went in the basement to catch a baseball game. And as they're there in the basement together, him and his, him and his, his brother, grown men, healthy, strong, able to take care of themselves, here it is, he hears his mom and sees his mom hobbling down the stairs to bring them a tray of snacks so that they can watch a baseball game with food. And I thought, what an example. Her, his mom, not considering the, the, the pain it must have been to get down the stairs to prepare the food, but here she was laying her life down so her two grown sons can have snacks while I watch a baseball game. At the cost of her own convenience, her own, her own sense of, of, of just being able to, to get around and, and, and laying that all, the whole thing down. And moms, you do this when you stay home from a night out to care for your sick child. You read the same story over and over and over again. When you help with homework, when you read the Bible to your children and then act out all the stories. You brush your teeth and change, wash, and fold their clothes. And then you change, wash, and fold their clothes. And then you change, wash, and fold their clothes over and over and over again. It never ends. And when you're doing this, you are looking out for their interest, but you're also honoring the Word of God. As you do that, you honor the Word of God in your life, and in your kids' lives. Next, let's look at verses 5 through 7. Paul writes this, 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. When you had that baby, Mom, you had no idea the demands that child was going to make on your life. The amount of demands and the, the time and, and all those things that was about ready to happen in your life. Being a servant means dropping everything you are doing and helping to, to, to put a band-aid on a scraped knee. To discipline your kids or explain why we pray or to give a bath to your kids when it's been a couple of days for yourself. Or endlessly picking up toys from one room to the next so that your husband, when he comes home, can have a clean house. Maybe that was just for me, but, um, you know, as you clean your house, you go from one room to the next and you clean a room and you move on to the next one. And by the time you get around to the first one again, it's trashed. So you got to start the process all over again. It's like that just doesn't stop. You're serving your family. This week, Michelle and I were sitting in our dining room. The kids are upstairs playing by themselves and which is normally just fine. They have fun. It's a room. And so this week, Eddie comes running down the stairs and announces to Michelle and I, Mommy, Daddy, John, Michael, and Nicholas are sticking their heads in the toilet. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? Are you serious? And I start freaking out. You know, I'm like, what? I'm like, man, you shouldn't be doing that to get into high school. And, you know, let me show you the proper technique. No. And so I'm like, look. I'm just like, I'm getting like angry and I'm like, oh, we've told these kids a hundred times. You're not allowed to play in the toilet. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, we've told you that for a really long time. And it's not like a new rule that we have or something they didn't know about before. This was premeditated playing in the toilet, you know? And, uh, so I run upstairs and, and the door's closed and it, you know, it's, I can see the light under it and I hear behind the door splashing and, and like, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just a good time for everybody in the bathroom. And I'm just like, I'm steaming. I'm like, oh, this is just frustrating. You know, these kids know better than this. And, and all the while, Michelle has a different response. She's not running up the stairs, angry and barry just, you know, going to bring some law and order to the scene. And she just simply goes to the bathroom and gets the water in the tub going to give the kids baths. And here I am upstairs, furious, angry, just with no patience left for the kids. And here, what a different picture it is from our wife who's desiring to serve our children so they can be clean from the dirty, you know, toilet water that they were just playing in. That was not my first concern, you know, but for her it was. And so, you know, as I walked in the door and there's water all over the floor and my son's just kind of like, like during the headlights, like, yeah, I'm caught. Yeah, I know. I was just playing the toilet. My wife simply goes to work and begins just to give him a bath. And uh, we definitely, um, at least I did, they were disciplined for that. <laughs> they didn't get off scot-free. But, um, you know, what, what a picture it is for us of how we've been cared for and loved by our mom. And moms, when you consider others more important than yourselves, when, when you look to the interest of others, when you serve instead of being served, all these things only point us to the ultimate reality of who Christ Jesus is 
and how he embodied these things perfectly. It's just like a picture for us that points to a bigger picture. It's like a signpost that says, look, I may be a servant, but my serving only points to the one who's the ultimate servant. I may be considering you important and laying my life down for you day in and day out, but that only goes to point to the person who ultimately did that for all time. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at how and what this looks like in Christ Jesus. So we see in, in, in part in our moms, but now let's see what we see in full in Christ Jesus in the Word of God. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I'm going to read through those, those verses, and then we'll talk about what we see in Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in the human form, he, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The first thing we see in Christ Jesus that Paul's directing our attention to is this humility. Christ was fully God and fully man, yet he did not come demanding luxury and palaces and royal treatment and a life of ease and a life of, of just of soft living, of just kind of coasting by. He didn't come demanding those things. Instead, he chose to identify himself with the poor and the sick and the needy and the outcast and the orphaned and the rejected. He chose to identify himself with those people. I found this quote this week by Alfred Plummer. It says, Jesus' life began in a borrowed stable and ended in a borrowed tomb. That is who Christ Jesus was. We want to talk about humility. Talk about who Christ Jesus is. Listen to Jesus' own words in Matthew 11. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here Jesus Christ, the one person, the only person who could have showed up and said, you know what, guys, man, I am really something else. Man, I am it. I am great. I am awesome. Man, I am all powerful. As a matter of fact, you know what? Let's just get a church service going right here for you to worship and pray to me. And then you guys just all gather around me and just be in awe of my awesomeness. Christ Jesus didn't come to earth demanding those things. Christ Jesus, his life looks something different. I found this poem this week about Christ Jesus, and I want to share it with all of us. This is what 
James Allen Francis writes, Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village, and he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher, never owned a home, never wrote a book, never held an office, never had a family, never went to college. He never put his foot inside of a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. And while still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the, the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of, human, of the human race and, and leader in the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. And we talk about Christ Jesus and his humility dying on the cross for our sins, not for his own punishment, but for our sins, laying down the, the glory and the riches of heaven to come to be with us, to be born in a humble means, live a humble life. What a way for us to see Christ Jesus. What a way to see the way in which Christ Jesus laid his life down. But he wasn't only humble, Jesus Christ also looked to the interest of others. He looked to our interest. See, we all have a problem. And this problem goes back long before we were born, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When, when, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, declared that they knew what was best for their own lives, rejected God's purposes and God's way and God's rules for their life and chose to live their own way, their own life, do their own thing. They rebelled against Almighty God. And that has been going on ever since the beginning of time. And what we have is a sin problem. But God, on the other hand, is holy and perfect and just, meaning he does not and cannot tolerate or even, even look upon or allow sin to be in his presence. Sin is rebellion against God. He can't just allow people to rebel against him with no consequences. And so our sin separates us from God. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, Ephesians 2, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, says this, that we're dead in our sins. We're dead in our trespasses. We're dead in those. So we can't really do anything, can we? If we're dead, you can't do anything. But God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, 
so that we can be forgiven and cleansed of all of our sin and rebellion against God. Jesus says in Luke 19, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and saved that which was lost. It was God initiated. It was God bringing about a salvation in our lives. Christ looked out for us and saved us, even at the cost of his own life. But not only that, but he, Jesus Christ became a servant. 2 verse 7 says, Jesus, but he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. Jesus Christ could have came to earth, said, serve me, bless me, take care of me, lay your lives down and do stuff for me, bring me food, make me clothes, take me on trips. Jesus Christ could have demanded all those things. Look what he says in Mark 10. This is the words of Christ. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to, 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 to be served. He came to serve. And we see this in his life, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, eating with the outcast, seeking out and caring for the lost, helping the poor. We see all these things in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate servant. The result of all those things that we see in Christ Jesus, this is what happened. Philippians 2, 9, 11, read this again. It says, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The result of these things in Christ Jesus is that he is glorified, that he is honored, that he is lifted high. And moms, when you do these things as unto the Lord, and when you do these things, when you lay your life down, when you serve, when you give your life away in obedience to God's word for your life, you bring glory to Jesus Christ because you're only pointing to a greater reality of who Jesus Christ is. Your life can be a signpost to your kids and your family, the people around you, of what Jesus Christ is ultimately like. God has given us mothers as his kindness and grace to us. So this morning, we are grateful for God's kindness in our moms. And in those areas in which our moms and the moms in this room live our lives out, in the call of God and points to a greater reality, we are grateful and we thank God for that. And so our hope is this, that we would point our children and those around us to Jesus Christ, to our lives. And moms, you have the opportunity to do that every single day. You have a missions field right in your own home. You have the opportunity to point your kids to Christ Jesus by living like Jesus, by doing the things that, that the Word of God calls us to do. And ultimately, your kids will one day rise up and call you blessed because they have seen Jesus Christ in you. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, we, we want to thank you for our moms. Lord, thank you that they as they live out their lives 
before you in obedience to your word. Lord, that they point us to you. God, they're an example to us of in a small part of what Christ Jesus is in large. And Lord, we want to say, help us this morning to not only be grateful to our moms for all that they've done, Lord, but be grateful to you for blessing us with all good things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.